Welcome to the Two Cities Podcast, a podcast about theology, culture, and discipleship. And this is episode 200. In this episode, we are celebrating 200 episodes of the Two Cities Podcast. We are so thankful for all of you for listening, and thanks to all of you who submitted comments and questions that you'll hear in this episode. Those of you who did so have been entered into a raffle for five book bundle giveaways from four participating publishers, and we will announce the winners at the end of this episode. In this episode, you will hear those comments and questions that I mentioned, as well as some bloopers and the new theme music for the Two Cities podcast, which we will introduce at the very, very end of this episode. Now, the comments and questions from listeners will be punctuated by dings, so you'll hear that noise before a new comment from one of our listeners. And throughout the episode, you will also hear from each of the contributors to the Two Cities podcast. And so the full team will appear on this episode at various points. Again, thank you so much for listening, and here's our 200th celebratory episode. Happy 200th to one of my favorite podcasts. Love you, Two Cities. Thanks for having me on. Love talking to you guys, but even more, love listening to your episodes. Keep recording talking about good stuff. I love it. Hey there, Two Cities. This is Carl Franzen. I serve as a pastor in Whitehall, Michigan. Thank you for all you do, and congratulations on 200 episodes. I look forward to each new episode of the Two Cities podcast. As a pastor, I appreciate being introduced to a wide variety of books and scholarship. The team approach is excellent. The interaction between the various team members and the guests provides more insight, nuance, and perspective than the typical podcast with only a single interviewer. I come away from each episode challenged, but with a new and deeper understanding of some theological topic. I also often end up with another book on my wish list, or many times the bought but haven't read yet list. Thanks for helping me in my life as a pastor theologian. So my name is Barnabas Asprey, and I really love this podcast. I'm really impressed with the way that these guys bring together in-depth theological reflection and show how it, it really is relevant for the culture and for the cultural questions that we all have. Hi, I'm Seth uh, from the UK. Uh, my my question is more of a challenge for Logan. Uh, Logan, please, can you uh, sing Ed Sheeran's Shape of You in Hebrew? Thank you very much. I look forward to hearing it. Uh, okay, Seth, thanks for this challenge. Um, because I'm focusing on the lyrics and translating, I'm going to sing this really poorly, and it's going to be completely out of time because the syllables are going to be completely different than the English, but let's give it a try. Um, אני מאוהב בצורה שלך, אנחנו דוקפים ומושקים כמו מגנט, למרות שליבי נופל גם, אני מאוהב בגוף שלך, אתמול בלילה היית בחדר שלי, ועכשיו המציעים ריחים כמוך, בכל יום אני מגלה דבר חדש, אני מאוהב בגוף שלך. Hey, Two Cities crew, this is Andrew Percy Anoff, long-time listener, second-time voice note recorder. In true academic style, I have more of a comment than a question. 
I note that your podcast describes yourselves as being about theology, culture, and discipleship. Yet, by my count, you have nine New Testament specialists uh, and on the team, far more than any other discipline, especially theology. So my comment is, get some more theologians on the team, you cowards. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for that comment. You're quite right that the Two Cities is stacked with New Testament scholars, but we are happy to announce that we have added a new theologian to the team, Reverend Dr. Nathaniel Warren. Welcome to the team, Nathaniel. I'm so honored to be a part of the team. So we are stoked for uh, what you'll contribute in terms of theology, which hopefully will uh, scratch the uh, itch that uh, Percy has about our contributors. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your background and, and and what you hope to bring to the team? Well, unfortunately, I don't know if the itch is going to be fully scratched. Um, I do uh, do theology. That's um, certainly a, one of my disciplines, but um, my theological enterprise focuses more on um, uh, sort of politics and a certain kind of ethics. Um, not quite applied ethics, but um, certainly uh, theology in the real world. So I think that might touch the discipleship piece um, um, really well. But yeah, so I, I'm part of the, let's see, I'm part of the new uh, two cities team as sort of a political pundit, maybe. <laughs> a political pundit. Well, you uh, you have a PhD in theology from Durham. Uh, you are an Episcopal priest, and you're you're one of the best drummers I've ever met. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> so we're uh, we're grateful uh, to have you on the team. Of course, listeners will uh, will recall that you have been on the podcast a few times. Uh, you you recently were on an episode where we talked about your new book uh, with University of Notre Dame Press uh, about Joseph Pieper's uh, writings, um, and also you joined us for our one of our episodes on Black Mirror for the volume that Amber and I edited. Theology and Black Mirror, which you contributed a chapter uh, uh, for. So um, listeners will um, perhaps recognize your voice and they will uh, soon, of course, get uh, more familiar with you as you join us in uh, forthcoming episodes. Excited to be known. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're grateful to have you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shelby and I live in Oxford, England. And I've just been really curious about just kind of the rapport between the two cities members. I think it's such a cool thing that it's such a big group with such so many different people. Sometimes you're all like some are on, some are not. I'm wondering, do you all feel like you're close together um, relationally? Do you feel like you know some people better than others? Like, I'm just kind of curious about the dynamics between the two cities members in general. Hey, Shelby, thanks so much for your question. This is a fun one for us. Um, there's lots of different things that we could say. We all came to the group, some of us having more history than others, but have a really fun group dynamic. Um, we keep in touch on a daily basis, to say the least, um, through a WhatsApp group chat. Hourly basis. Hourly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, maybe every five minutes. Yeah, I often have to mute it because otherwise my phone just can't handle it. <laughs> wow, dude. Wow. Unreal. <laughs> that was I cut myself to reading every single one of those messages. 
Um, but yeah, we, we keep in touch, not just to talk about logistics, but also just more on a personal basis. And, um, we see each other at conferences when our paths cross and sometimes paths cross for other reasons as well. Some people who are more local than others. In fact, this past summer, John and Logan and I spent almost a week together in Italy we went to Siena and then we went down to Naples to see Pompeii and Herculaneum. They massively geeked out at both of those archaeological oh, yeah. sites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we had so many adventures and it was a lot of fun. And then this uh, coming this coming Thanksgiving, we're actually having a Friendsgiving for people who are at least accessible to uh, the Midwest. And so, yes, we, we do definitely have a very vibrant friend group and have a lot of affection for each other. Yeah, I was really excited for that Friendsgiving, but now I'm not going for reasons. Um, traitor. Yeah, traitor. <laughs> traitor. What? Traitor. What? You're a traitor. I am a traitor, um, but I've made I've made an assessment, and unfortunately, I won't go. But I will live in FOMO. Um, but I'm. I, I think it's funny that like often like clusters of us will be randomly together in like random places in the world. Um, like I think a couple summers ago, all of a sudden, like Brandon sent a selfie of him in California with Chris and Daniel uh, yeah. like two summers ago or something. And then like, Chris, I was at your house a year ago, a year and a half right. ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then, you know, we were in Italy, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Chris, and, Chris, uh, Steph and I hung out in, in Melbourne last summer. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then a bunch of them were in Germany. Madison, Jen, and Sydney were in Germany. While Amber uh, and John, you two, and 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 I were in Italy. Uh, so I feel like we've—I don't think we've ever had like a hundred percent all mm-hmm. of us in the same place. We got pretty close Probably last year, SBL, where we had like right or SBLAR, we had like maybe sixty percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this SBL, like... this SBL will probably do pretty strong. I mean, by the time this episode, oh, yeah? by the time this episode comes out, SBL will have already occurred. But I, I think that uh, it's looking like there's going to be over half of us uh, wow, in San great. Antonio. Amazing, awesome. yeah, amazing. I do feel like though, like it's a weird thing. But I feel like once someone is roped onto the team, it's like we are automatically forever friends. <laughs> um, True. And you know, like I barely know. Nate, but I feel like you know, yeah. we're everyone's already like, look, this group chat is a safe space. We're all just gonna, we're all just gonna unload, and uh, and be super vulnerable on this on this group chat, even though like many of us have never met in person. <laughs> what I really love is that, like you said, we're just sort of automatically friends forever, but we're always very for each other and yeah. in each other corner and rooting each other on. And so we do a lot of rejoicing together and weeping together and praying for each other and a lot of joking, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of inside joke emojis, that sort of thing. So many of you will not know this, um, but the um, for the long, for the longest time, the uh, Two Cities chat was um, a Facebook messenger thread, which was an absolute nightmare. Um, but as a joke, Part of because part of because I I kept rebelling against Facebook Messenger and saying we need to move this to WhatsApp. We need to move this to WhatsApp. It took about eight months of pleading before we did. And I think uh you can all thank me because that absolutely was the right decision. Um, but one of the things 
that we did was that if you remember, if you know on Facebook Messenger, you can like change the preset emoji. Uh, and I decided one day to just troll everyone and change the preset emoji to lips, like those big red juicy lips, emoji <laughs> lips. And we were just, and all of a sudden, like when like the two cities chat just became people just sending lips to one another and <laughs> clicking the emoji. And even when like new people would be added, all of a sudden there'd just be like lips everywhere. And like, <laughs> just be like is this a safe space? Like what's happening? Um, and then like, when we, but when we moved to WhatsApp, um, <laughs> now the, the photo of the, the two cities chat, like the default photo is just like a close up of those lip emojis. And and often we just like send lips to one another still on the group chat, and it's still it's just retained its legacy. It means absolutely nothing. Um, or even like or even like when people reply to people if someone says something, and then like we'll do like the emoji reply with lips, <laughs> like <laughs> just so many lips up in the two cities. It's um, it's it's wild. It's a wild time. I love it. In my experience with this, I mean a lot of this, a lot of the uh, there's a critical mass that formed at least some of it in Biola and Talbot um, out in California. What's interesting about that is that I had uh, met and uh, gotten to know John and Logan. Um, um, and they were back then just these precocious, young, emerging biblical scholars that nobody knew about at that point. We were uh, in I, German together. Actually, we knew, we knew John a little bit at that, but John was one of those seminary students that was already publishing. Um, you friggin' nerd. <laughs> as a seminary student i mean like he was bound for this um so it, we we weren't we didn't really hang out i think until a lot of the doctoral stuff got into uh earnest and so uh john was studying with nt Wright. logan um also i think started with nt Wright and then and then transitioned off with uh, with john barkley um so that was when a lot of this started to come in into uh, into shape, at least in my experience of it. Um, I think at least from my perspective, John, John Dunn is sort of the center of gravity of that, that sort of binds a lot of us together. And and then of course that branched off into all, into the hyperlinked um, amazing network that, that it is now. Um, but um, uh, John, John is, is really a hub that that's kept a lot of that together. And um, also just the sheer forces of personality in this group. I mean, it's, <laughs> It's it's a force. It's a bit much sometimes, to be honest. It's a force of nature. It's an, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, John, thanks for being the glue that keeps keeps us all together. Actually, awful. Oh, well, and the glue that edits all the podcasts because that yeah, the amount work. of work that John does is ridiculous. It is absurd. It is absurd. <laughs> Every podcast. Yeah, Monstrous. no, it, it 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 actually needs to be said a lot, John. Um, it's it's an amazing uh, labor of love. You do so much for it, and um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't go without you, man. Uh, well, cheers, and and uh, I I love doing this with you guys. So it's a it's a lot of fun. But you know, we were a blog for a long time before we were a podcast. We started in two thousand eleven, and. Uh, you know, a handful of our current, you know, podcasting team members have been around for 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 a while. Um, like Chris, uh, I, I don't remember when when you joined uh, and Logan, I don't remember when you joined, but I want to say it was like 2013, 2014, yeah, like around, around uh, there. I, I joined 2014, 15 or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a while uh, for 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 some of y'all like Grace Ng. Um, 
I think she was 2012. Um, and even mm. Nate, even Nate, our, our newest team member, um, he was guest posting with us going back to 2011 when we first started. So that wow. there's, there's, you know, the, we, so yeah, so our group is you is, around. Yeah. I've been around. Yeah. Um, but, but our you want to, you want to tell, how, tell us how the, how it started with your pub trips. Well, yeah. So it, it, it started with a group of, uh, like five or six of us. Um, and I was getting ready to go off for a PhD and it, it was kind of just thinking about a, a way for us all to keep in touch and, you know, keep doing kind of theological dialogue and, uh, thought, oh yeah, let's start a blog, you know, cause back then, of course, people were still reading blogs. <laughs> um, and, people and had the attention span to read. I think people had the attention span back then. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the group has, you know, evolved over the years, but there's, there's been, um, you know, a handful that have just been around for a long time. And so, um, it's, it's great how we've been able to expand, expand the team and and that's that's been uh, geographical as well, you know, with with people right. from Australia and the UK and all this. So, and it, I mean, it's still doing exactly what you what you set out to do as a as a way of staying in touch with friends and talking about theology and stuff. One hundred percent, still doing that. <laughs> yep, yep. I do feel like sometimes the two cities is just us publicizing us hanging out. That <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> That's this is false. what this is what we would do anyways if we all hung out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And what's also cool is that we have diverse areas of specialization. Now, I mean, we're pretty heavy on the bib studies yes. because mm -hmm. of this like core Viola group, but we have theology, philosophy with me yeah. and Nate and well, we we also have law with Steph Judd and yeah. and 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 people who are doing various various types of things at the moment. Um, like Stan is That's is right. um you know teaching at a high school. He was he was at Biola for a while with engineering. Now he's at a uh, Christian high school. And um, uh, Grace Ng uh, works works for the government in finance. Um, and so yeah, we we have an eclectic array of backgrounds and interests even though even though we are heavy on new testament biblical studies our our interests uh, don't begin and end with the new testament you know yeah so thanks shelby for the question i think what makes the two cities really fun is aside from just the cool guests and conversations we get to have is the fact that we all are genuinely friends and genuinely love talking to each other so I wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks to uh, the podcasters with uh, the two cities. Yeah, there are a couple things that just wanted to mention. Um, one uh, episode in particular, I would uh, just say thanks to John and Madison, both for hearing private conversations as well as being able to record uh, a conversation last, uh, last, I'm thinking in semester, so last semester. Um, it was with Professor Grant McCaskill, uh, and it opened up avenues and probably opened up, um, felt like it was a gateway, if you will, uh, just to explore self-identity, explore something that I'd already been wrestling with for quite some time, just at a personal level, uh, and only to hear uh, a theologian being able to talk about their autistic experience was, was actually quite helpful, informative. It actually opened up, um, like I mentioned, a gateway uh, into pursuing other things related to that. And, and so 
please hear this with just deep, deep, deep thanks and gratitude. So thank you to Madison and uh, John for uh, pursuing that and for being able to um, yeah, have that conversation. Just to mention one more episode that may, maybe not as transformative as that one, but uh, one that uh, introduced new frameworks were the two with uh, Professor John Swinton. Um, uh, were just really helpful just to think through disability studies at large. Um, and so really grateful for those two podcasts, uh, podcast episodes in, in particular, but grateful for the, the entire podcast team. I've been listening to the two cities for quite some time and grateful for uh, just the balance and the care that they, that the whole team provides in terms of question asking and, um, yeah, engagement with ideas and views within the broader Christian tradition with charity and one that I do think at, at, at many points is worth imitating at, at some level. So cheers and thank you uh, to the team. Uncle Johnny, what's your favorite episode from the last 100 episodes? Hey, Isla Bell, that's a wonderful question, and it's a difficult one. It's really hard to pick a favorite episode from the last 100 episodes. I really appreciated all of the series that we did. I loved the series on disability. I loved the series that we did on Jesus films, as well as the shorter series on Palestinian liberation theology, uh, and and the series before that on Christian anti-Judaism. I thought each of those within the last 100 episodes were, were wonderful series to be a part of, enjoyed all those conversations. It's hard to pick a favorite episode. I, I really love the pop culture episodes a lot. I loved when we did the Barbenheimer breakdown. I loved our conversation about Squid Games and a handful uh, of others. The Black Mirror episodes, um, of course, were huge favorites of mine. But if I had to pick a favorite, I think I would pick the episode on dyslexia with Professor Marianne Wolf from UCLA. I just really enjoyed that conversation. I, I was a big fan of, of her as as in terms of her books, really just was engrossed uh, uh, by them and was really felt like it was a shot in the dark to even invite her and was so grateful that she agreed to join us and and just had a wonderful time kind of soaking in um, just her knowledge and, and wisdom and, and just an immense amount of uh, experience uh, in this area as an expert in reading and just kind of the nature of uh, how humans were never meant to read, which is a wild thought uh, to think about that, uh, that, yeah, we're not sort of like genetically uh, predisposed. We don't inherit the ability to read. Everybody has to learn how to read afresh and the, the issues that that creates for people who are dyslexic. I, I just, um, I think that, her insights in, in her books, as well as in that episode, were just wonderful. So I think that one stands out, especially because there was a fun connection. She quotes um, a theologian named John Dunn, uh, John S. Dunn, a uh, longtime professor at the, the University of Notre Dame. And I, I just thought, hey, maybe she has some interest in, in theological conversation because she quotes a theologian a lot. And she was so pleased to receive an email from somebody named John Dunn that she was like, I will talk to you because your name is John Dunn. And I just uh, that that definitely was a lot of fun uh, to, to hear to hear a comment like that. So 
I would have to pick that episode, I think. But you know what? I'd like to turn this over to my team members, fellow team members on the two cities and hear from them. What were some of y'all's favorite episodes from the last 100 episodes? Yeah, John, great question. Um, I we've we've just interviewed so many different authors and speakers and academics and people that are professionals in their field. And it's been it's kind of a really eclectic, crazy, fun uh, thing to jump on these podcasts. One of the things that's been just really memorable for me is uh, Dr. Sandra Glon and speaking to her about her book, uh, Nobody's Mother. And uh, and just the way that she's still breaking ground in New Testament field when, you know, sometimes we think we have all this stuff figured out or historical backgrounds that we're uh, applying to ministry and things like that, that are all just kind of worked out already. They're in commentaries and things like that. But Dr. Glon is breaking ground and helping us understand what was going on in Ephesus and the things that are going on behind the scenes. And it's groundbreaking in a way that is still kind of really relevant for ministry and also will just make New Testament scholars and theologians think a little deeper or a lot deeper on issues that are really relevant to the church. So for me, when when we talk to somebody, when we step into these uh, conversations, these dialogues, I always want to drive it to relevance for ministry, for church, and, uh, and I think part of my calling is the bridge from academia to, to uh, church ministry. So any podcast that does that is awesome. Any author that does that is awesome. And Dr. Glon, the way she's talking about women and the background of leadership and all the kind of different things going on in Ephesus and how it applies to the church today and how we should read Ephesians is uh, pretty awesome and memorable for me. This is Daniel uh, from the Two Cities team. Uh, I'm really excited that we are hitting this milestone of 200 episodes. Uh, if I recall, I think I was in the first two dozen. Uh, so it's quite wild that we have hit that point um, over these past few years. As I think about the number of episodes that we've, we've gone through over the, the past 100, uh, episode 147 comes to my mind about forgiveness, uh, an alternative account with uh, Reverend Dr. Matthew Potts. Uh, and particularly that one uh, comes to my mind because I think the complexity of forgiveness, uh, the, the layers, the, the anthropological layer of forgiveness, I think the psychological layer and then the integrative uh, theological layer when it comes to forgiveness and to to think about forgiveness is not a um, a forgetfulness of harm done, uh, but a releasing uh, of the bondage that harm brings at times. Right. And and so to even think through uh, a person who's a victim uh, navigating through the process of uh, accepting the harm that was done without accepting the harm uh, to the point where they can't move forward. And so being able to forgive their offender, but but not so easily just let it go, uh, but actually work through the process of reconciliation, if at all possible. Uh, and th that, that, that is challenging in, in the society in which we live in, where I think there is more to... Um, uh, more tools to bring harm than there is uh, sometimes filling the time to forgive. <laughs> and so in this kind of post-forgiveness culture, it almost feels like in the, the, the burgeoning cancel culture, it's, it's good to have a refreshing theological reminder of what that looks like that doesn't dismiss um, pain and harm that's done. Uh, 
but radically transforms uh, how one can navigate through the process leading forgiveness. So I'm just mindful of that episode amongst the many that we have done over, over these past 100, uh, 100 episodes and looking forward to many more. Two Cities podcast team, I uh, want to say thank you as a listener for just giving great coverage of different topics uh, throughout just popular culture, um, history, things that are happening um, day to day between uh, different societies and giving us Christians um, just different viewpoints to dissect and discuss in a nuanced way um, that really reflects, you know, attitudes we should have uh, honoring Christ and also our fellow humans and really appreciate the work you guys are doing. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Wish you guys uh, best of luck and success in future episodes. Uh, Looking forward to what you guys have in store next. Hey, Alexis from Switzerland here. Big fan of the podcast. And I've been listening for, for a few years now and was just wondering what we might expect for, for the future. Hey, Alexis. Thanks for your great question. This is Madison Pierce. Um, one of the things that we have on the horizon is a long series on trauma. We've all recognized that um, being trauma-informed is really important, and especially because there are so many conversations about trauma going on right now. Um, We thought it would be really important to lead some people through some really key resources to introduce them to some key people in the field and to think about it from a lot of different perspectives. So we have, we're still sort of filling in the series, but we've got something like 10 episodes already that are coming down the road from scholars, from, of course, trained um, practitioners in mental health counseling Um, people who have uh, experienced their own uh, mental health concerns and um, it's shaping up to be a really neat series. So we're excited about it. Hey, Two Cities. My name is Derek. Some of you may know me, others of you may not, but I'm a pastor here in the United States in Portland, Oregon. And uh, first, just want to say I'm a big fan of the podcast, love everything that you guys are doing, all the topics y'all talk about, and especially the guests that you have on the show. It's, it's always a super great time and a super good listen. So one question I did have is about the two newest members in the two cities community. Uh, I heard that there are a couple of you who are new parents and there are two new wonderful babies that have, uh, joined the two cities community and yeah i would just love to hear a little bit about that and uh how that's been going how uh this new adventure of parenting has been going for you guys so i'd love to hear more about that and again appreciate you guys uh and love the podcast oh hey derek thanks so much um this is sydney and brandon's here too um responding and you can hear from both of us thank you so much for asking um about the two babies the two cities two babies um and i I can't remember brandon will have to remind me i think lila's maybe a few days older than daniel um but um yeah two september babies uh so they're about eight weeks old now um and um going well i so i have an older 
child. I have a three-year-old daughter, so it's not brand new, but it sort of feels brand new um, because I have a girl and now I have a boy. So even, you know, changing nappies was brand new experience there. Um, but it's, it's, it's new in the sense of now I have to manage a toddler who uh, also wants my attention. So it's a real balance. And I think for me, um, I think what's what's been most interesting is being on maternity leave. And I, I think, Brandon, it'll be great to hear his perspective from um, being a father, but actually not working for this year. And because I'm in the UK, I get a year. Um, it's it's funny, like being on the two cities, but thinking I'm actually sort of on a break in a little ways. And so I don't feel like I'm completely up to date with a lot of things, but being on the two cities has helped me sort of stay on top of things and keep up with things. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I'm talking too much about myself now and not enough about my baby, but um, I'm doing great. Daniel's doing great. <laughs> um, he is starting to sleep. So I, that's why I'm somewhat coherent, if not completely coherent. And uh we're getting there and taking our first big trip this week. So, um, yeah, lots of milestones around here. And and he's because um, my husband's British. He's Daniel's got dual citizenship. So we we had a big trip to the U.S. embassy and uh, big, exciting passport deliveries. Um, so we are all doing really well. Thank you so much for asking. I'll let Brandon chat now. Thanks, Derek. Good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, uh, being a father uh, to uh, our little girl named Lila, uh, which is uh, is just it, honestly the greatest thing I've ever done. Is amazing. Uh, I don't really do anything. I just kind of look at her as she kind of figures out the world, um, and it is oh, it's uh, it's it's amazing. It's uh, I, I honestly like the best thing I think I've ever done. Um, somehow better than marriage i don't really understand I got better than a wedding i don't really understand how that's even possible but it is and like that's that's no shade at my wife <laughs> at all i think she would agree with me uh there um it is uh very little sleep there is no uh there is no rest for the wicked and uh, apparently <laughs> i am that uh no sleep at all i don't know sydney how you're managing that um maybe it's the, the benefit of being uh this is your second child and you know all the tricks and, and tips. Maybe you can share some of that with me. Um, no, uh, Lila uh, is her name. And um, uh, she was born very uh, small, uh, which came with it, you know, not too small, but uh, small enough to kind of uh, be a little bit scary, but it was, it ended up being all fine. And uh, it was just have a nice tiny little baby. Um, and seeing her grow has just been, has uh, been fantastic. Um, yeah. My, uh, Brittany, my wife, is is on maternity leave in the same, uh, not for a whole year, but for nine months or 10 months. So uh, the UK is great. Seems like they actually care about children somehow. I don't know. Maybe other countries could take their lead on that. Um, but she's, you know, she's really having a great time uh, staying at home. I unfortunately have to go to work and every morning I wake up and think, oh my gosh, why would I, why would I choose to do this? I wanted to stay, stay home and cuddle and and see them grow and um it's i don't know sydney if you maybe you can confirm this but like i i've i've never experienced this before but each day i wake up and suddenly my daughter is cuter than she was before she went to bed i don't know is that sydney is that a normal thing i don't know um 
but uh it's 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 honestly so wild and it's it's is that it's a bit scary just like how much uh you can love someone in such little time um and you know it's it's been it's been a blast to um to kind of grow in this new phase of life um that has uh you know obviously there's so much poop so much di- so many diapers so much nappies uh so little sleep and sometimes you're just like they're just crying and there's just no you you've done it all and then like you're just about to put them in bed and then they start hiccuping or something like that it just is the worst and yet you're like oh my gosh i do not think i can possibly love another human being so much in this moment even when all of this stuff is happening and i i've never really i don't think i've truly experienced that because obviously when you're married or you know you have a partner you know that like they're an adult so like they they there's some like uh you know you can understand how they're feeling about certain things but this little child has no uh, real autonomy on their own and they're just kind of solely dependent on you and you're just still figuring out exactly like how to care for them and you're trying to figure out your own relationship and it's this it's very uh very one-sided in this situation and yet it's still like uh, it's still beautiful it's just it's so fun um so um highly recommend it if you can do it um and uh it's wonderful so uh that's that's my experience um just don't have to no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i literally i was sitting trying to get daniel to sleep tonight while my husband was doing bath time for sophie and um I was sitting in a pitch black room holding Daniel on his side, bouncing him with the white noise machine on while he was wrapped in a swaddle, just willing him to sleep because he'd, he'd had the hiccups. And um, But at the same time, I sat there looking at him, teared up, thinking, I love you so much. How is this possible? You're giving me so little sleep um so yeah it is it is amazing and um I think every child's different too so um I think that's been while I'm not new to parenthood it's he's Daniel's his own person and he's new and he's different and he's really really cute um so yeah parenthood is great it's hard but it's great thanks so much for the question Derek um clearly we could both talk about our children forever so uh, we should probably cut ourselves off now (laughs) this is dr walter augustine and what i really appreciate about the two cities podcast is just the variety of voices and perspectives that are brought into the conversation i really enjoyed listening to a number of their podcasts but one great example for me uh, was the podcast on critical race theory where a variety of voices were brought in to discuss the topic in a nuanced way that looked at both strengths and weaknesses of critical race theory and how it intersects and interacts with the gospel. So I'm very grateful to Two Cities Podcast for the work uh, that you all are doing. Congratulations on your 200th episode, and I look forward to many more to come. Hi, I'm Emily Gathergood. I'm from Nottingham in England, and I have a question for the team. I'd like to know which biblical text really fires you up and maybe even gets you a little bit angry and why? Thanks, Emily, for the question. Um, I I like this question a lot because 
it has kind of made me mull it over on a couple of different levels. So I guess I was thinking, well, my my initial reaction was thinking about anger in terms of like being offended by a text. So like, are there texts that I read that I just find offensive? I've got this like disconnect with the text. Um, and part of that is also anger at like the legacy of a text of thinking about how biblical passages get used and then that becomes intertwined with how we read the text itself and that gets complicated um but then I was also thinking about anger in the sense of reading a passage and being prompted to have an angry reaction because it makes you wrestle with some sort of injustice so I I'm kind of yeah enjoying the complexity (laughs) in that question so I was trying to think about whether there's a text that I think prompts a mixture of both of those two types of reactions in me I don't quite know if it's anger but something kind of within that mixture and along that spectrum maybe discomfort is sort of um is where I'd place that and I think um a text I've been thinking about a bit on and off is 1 Thessalonians 4 and if you know that chapter you might be thinking maybe that's a random pick I don't know (laughs) because the first section of that Paul and his co-authors kind of list a whole load of exhortations about what does it mean to live a life that's pleasing to God and there's lots of good stuff in there kind of living in a way that honours one another loving one another but there's this bit in verse four just checking it is verse four yes (laughs) not verse three um let me read three to five actually in context for this is the will of God your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honour not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. So if you know um, kind of any of the discussion about verse four, you'll know that body there, which is the NRSV translation, is translating skios, which is just kind of literally vessel. And so there's different nuances that that can have. So NRSV has gone for thinking about one's own body, but it could could also be wife, say controlling your wife or taking a wife. And some of the older translations kind of go that route. Um, or it could also be that it's it's kind of euphemistically body and it's a kind of specific part of the body as a member, i.e. penis. Um, and so a lot of commentators see really it's the men who are the kind of intended audience for this section of the letter. Um, so I think that that ambiguity and the sort of um, lack of clarity there in terms of who's in mind um, and the different sort of tricky dynamics of that word, I think that that prompts a lot of discomfort for me because women are quite invisible. So whether they're um, that they're sort of functioning as passive objects, whether they are the thing that's being controlled, the vessel, um, or they're just in the background because they're not being addressed directly, that that sits awkwardly with me. And I both in the sense of maybe original heroes of the letters, but also thinking about how we read it today and where do women fit in and what's their perspective on this text. So I think that prompts discomfort. But I think it it also kind of makes me think about kind of modern issues to do with relationships between men and women, to do with sexual violence and thinking about the times that men don't act in accordance with holiness and honour as the text instructs them to and are not in control and choose not to control their bodies um, and the impact that that has within church communities and society more generally and that that is still an issue that we are wrestling with widely in society Um, and so there's something about reading this passage through a sort of me too lens that I think kind of resonates in a particular way Um, and so I think that to use Emily's language sort of fires me up because it's like we are still wrestling with this and we need the church to be 
advocating on this issue kind of loudly because it's it's a problem that's happening in our church communities as much as it is sort of in wider society um so that's something of an answer to the question I think yeah there's there's kind of a couple of dynamics going on for me in that text and that is a way that I sort of end up wrestling with some of the tricky feelings that scripture sometimes prompts in me and Rob Stegman's work on this passage has been really helpful for me sort of thinking through some of the different dynamics there um and um he has a really good section kind of looking at the the complicated nuances of skewos um and how we address that in modern conversations and um, so definitely recommend checking out his book contested masculinities hi my name is cynthia and i'm a brazilian theologian i came across the two cities podcast through a recent episode featuring sandra glenn and ever since then it has become one of my top favorite podcasts you guys bring outstanding authors and solid theology through enjoyable conversations so, thank you and congrats. Hey everybody, my name is Jameson and I'm from Topeka, Kansas. And I'm submitting this question for one of the book bundle giveaways. But I really appreciate your podcast and all of the wisdom and content y'all produce. Uh, but I was wondering if you had thought of or were planning on having Jason Staples onto the podcast sometime in the near future. So I appreciate your time and I will catch you on the podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for this question, Jameson. And thank you for listening to the podcast. And we're really glad to hear that you've enjoyed it. And uh, your question really shocked me because I just assumed that we have had Jason Staples on. Um, we all uh, love his work. And for me, Oh, this is Jennifer Guo, by the way. Uh, for me, he's also just been a real encouragement. Um, as a grad student, he's encouraged me a lot in my research. And last year, he invited me to respond to a paper at IBR. And so in addition to being an incredible scholar who has just published incredible work, he's also just, yeah, uh, a real encouragement to grad students and younger scholars in the field. And I am shocked that we haven't had him on, but of course, his uh, book, The Idea of Israel, has received a lot of attention, um, and he's uh, covered just an incredible and impressive range of Second Temple literature to argue against uh, very common uh, assumptions in the field that Israelite and Jew were synonymous in Second Temple Judaism, and that, you know, the insider-outsider distinction is what's at work in the Israelite versus Jew distinction, and uh, so we'll definitely have him on to talk about his follow-up work, Paul and the Resurrection of Israel. So Jason, if you're listening to this, our people will call your people. We would love to have you on to talk about your latest work, which is uh, coming out at the end of November. My name is J. Christopher Edwards, and I am Professor of Religious Studies at St. Francis College in Brooklyn. I'm a longtime listener to Two Cities Podcast. Um, it's helped me grow as a Christian and as a critical thinker and as just kind of a solid, normal person. Hello, my name is Andrew Noble. I am a new listener, but I love books, so I figured why not send in a question. Uh, I just listened to the episode with Christopher Edwards, and I had a question about the book of Acts and when it was written and what you think about that. He referenced the fact that the death of Stephen, you know, it the narrative there bends over backwards to be similar to 
uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I do agree there's so many similarities there, and it leads me to wonder why we don't have, given the elevation of martyrdom in the book of Acts, the death of Peter or Paul. Had those events just simply not occurred yet? That's not conclusive evidence. I know it's an evident argument from silence, perhaps, but there is this clear motive in the author and why isn't it there? And and it was interesting too. I hadn't heard this argument that Luke quoted Josephus in Acts 21, 38. So I looked that up. I was like looking into it and I was like, ah, that's just seems interesting that some scholars are saying that there isn't an oral tradition about a real history here. um, That this must've been Luke quoting from or referencing Josephus uh, rather than it being two contemporary historians you know, going back to the same event, historical event, and making use of that. So, um, yeah, I just was curious on your thoughts there. When do you think the book of Acts was written? Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, great question. And uh, there's a lot in it. Uh, Chris Porter here. Um, I'm actually writing a commentary on Acts at the moment for the Social Identity Commentary Series in the New Testament. So uh, the question that you have around the dating of Acts is actually super complex. There's so many different factors uh, there. Uh, and there's probably, uh, I guess, three main dates that um, one could argue for. Uh, some scholars will argue that uh, it's written around 60, uh, 60, 70, maybe, uh, mainly because it doesn't explicitly refer to the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, it doesn't explicitly refer to, as he said, uh, James or Paul or any of the other or Peter or any of the other apostles, uh, they're, they're martyrdoms. Um, and it, it doesn't uh, sort of come down firmly on one side or, or the other on Gentile Jewish relations. Uh, so we we have this situation that's depicted within the book, which gives us an internal view uh, that coincides with uh, Acts being the, the narrative of Acts finishing around the 60s somewhere now having the narrative acts finishing around the 60s doesn't exactly uh, imply then that it was written at that time Um, there are plenty of narratives which finish uh, in a certain time period which were written in completely different um, timescales so take for example the play hamilton Uh, one would be folly to suggest that hamilton was written contemporaneous with the events that occurred at the other end of the spectrum um, is the, the position which uh, says that Acts is written at, in around 150, 160. Um, so the end bound is around about 160 because uh, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, uh, both uh, quote fairly clearly from Acts uh, and, and do so consciously. Uh, so that's about the latest date it could be. Um, and there is some evidence there, um, but the problem is that it it doesn't quite fit with the tone of what's what's happening in in one fifty one sixty. So it, it doesn't really fit with what is going on uh, in the church at the time. Uh, there's there seems to be some evidence that it, it um, would sit out of out of step. Certainly, the um, Jerusalem Council and the the instructions around table fellowship uh, wouldn't mesh well with the um and the the anti-jewish persecution that's going on at the time the the other option is then uh the good anglican option uh what we might say the via media um and being an anglican um 
no, I, I jest. I'm not, just because I'm an Anglican doesn't mean that I will d take this by default. But I do think that the um that a, a a better uh, period to argue for is around uh, the turn of the century or even slightly beforehand, so uh, eighty five through ninety five or so. Um, so I, I think that there's a few reasons for why this would be useful. Um, socially useful is what I mean there. Um, one is that uh, in a period of persecution, um, so you've you've got the destruction of Jerusalem uh, and then you've got the persecution under Domitian, things like Paul as a hero figure, uh, Timothy as a figure within the church, uh, these uh, and the the narrated, um, history being being written down and codified as opposed to just orally transmitted is actually quite useful. It's uh, it's socially useful for uh, generating a uh, foundational narrative or what we call a shared schematic narrative of the period. Uh, and so people have that to be able to refer back to. Uh, in a similar way, Luke uh, does does the same thing. And so if we consider Luke Acts as a whole, uh, we, we have that together. Uh, that and the earlier bound is that the Luke, the Luke and apocalyptic discourses do seem to um, have a knowledge of the siege of Jerusalem and the and the and its fall, um, and so that would be one argument for for dating Luke after seventy and therefore Acts after seventy as, as a continuation, but 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 then at an end bound there. Uh, dating it bef um, before the turn of the century, around the, the time of the Domitian persecution. So we, we've got a, um, a range of options there. Uh, as I said, I tend towards that that via media, the um, things being written around about the turn of the century, um, part, in part as well because it dovetails well with what I think is happening uh, in the, the rearrangement of uh, social groups in at uh, after the fall of Jer Jerusalem um, and around the time of the persecution, um, and therefore it also dovetails well with what's happening in the Gospel of John, uh, which is the, my other area of research. The other thing with a, a late century date is that, um, as you rightly note, uh, the the quote, the supposed quoting or direct allusions to Josephus, could as just as well be um, quoting of a shared oral tradition. Um, we're in deep in that period where oral tradition is still uh, reigning supreme, um, and so both Josephus and Acts could quite as easily be um, quoting from that oral tradition. So, thanks so much for the question, Andrew. Uh, it's a great question, and uh, really good to be diving into the, the to the nitty gritty on. Cheers. My name is Paul Sloan. Uh, I live in Houston, Texas. Um, I think a common question I come across and also would like uh, someone to talk about is um, sort of the, the top things that uh, New Testament scholars routinely get wrong about um, impurity um, and how sort of um, corrected thinking about some of that could um, help us um, interpret uh, Second Temple Jewish texts and New Testament texts better. Anyone have any ideas about that? Hey, Paul, it's Madison Pierce. Um, I think that, oh, this is a really um, expansive question. I think you could probably answer it yourself, um, but here's some things that come to mind for me, um, but again, it's not comprehensive. Um, one thing is that it's very typical for people in New Testament to misunderstand the scope of various laws, 
um, or even or the scope in terms of to whom it applies and also when it applies. Um, so you have some things where like the hand washing in um, the gospels, you know, should they wash their hands before they eat? Well, uh, priests should and others who are involved in some sort of uh, ritual practice. Um, but otherwise, I think you're in the clear. Um, that's something that we now know is really important. But in, uh, you know, the turn of the century, or sorry, not the turn of the century, at the beginning, it was not a thing. Um, another one that I've been working on in my own work is um, it's quite often the case that people assume that being outside the camp is a bad, unclean place. Um, but that's actually not the case either. Um, we think about it, it's more in terms of like maybe a neutral space. Um, and there can be clean places outside the camp. You know, think, for example, of the purgation offering um, that's mentioned in Leviticus 4. Um, people go outside the camp to a quote unquote clean place uh, for the ritual disposal of the sacrifice um, or of the bodies of the sacrifices. Um, so that would be another thing that, that I've encountered. But like I said, there's there's plenty more about quote unquote food laws and all sorts of things. A final one, and I think this is the most important one, is that there's an understanding that um, the sacrifices themselves um, and even purity laws, that they're representative of this sort of works righteousness of Judaism. And um, I think this is a really important thing to, um, to dispel because it does aid in some uh, really horrific anti-Jewish interpretations. So um, there's kind of an understanding that um, these are all kind of box-ticking exercises, you know, like God made this absurd system and we have to hold to it um, because he said so. Um, and that's, you know, that's it. Um, that's by no means the case. Um, why certain things are prescribed, you know, we could go into detail on, on several different laws. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind is this is not representative of, of a sort of works righteousness. Um, our sin uh, is not um, dealt with by killing a goat. Um, that's completely insignificant. And it's really, it is costly in a material sense for the people that undergo those sacrifices or that, that bring them. Um, but it's not actually sufficient um, cost to rectify the situation. And so um, in the same way that the work on our behalf of Jesus is a gracious act of God, um, that's the case for the sacrifices too, though, of course, by no means to the same extent. And so that would be my main thing that I would want to remind people of and kind of put on the table. Hi, guys. Here's Caio Pérez, a Twitter friend of some of you, although I have met Madison in person very briefly back in 2021. So first of all, congratulations on the 200th episode. Um, and as Logan might expect, I have a digestive-related question. Um, in Numbers 5, verses 11 to 31, we have the weird sota, a ritual that includes ingestion of offering materials and even dust from the sanctuary itself. The suspected adulterous wife is cursed by ingesting this liquid if she's guilt, but nothing happens if she's innocent. So my question is, if we might be seeing here another example in which the digestive system of a righteous person is able to purify something that might have otherwise be a means of severe impurity resulting in curse. 
Okay, that's it. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Kai, for this question. I will preface this by saying that I have I'm very understudied in the topic of the SOTA um, and its reception. Um, but I'll give this a swing. I think my first instinct is to say that to my knowledge, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think impurity language is used in that text. And I don't think that the uh, liquid being uh, or the, the material being ingested is understood to be defiled or unclean. Um, that doesn't mean that this issue about digestion isn't at play. Uh, but I think if you were to ask maybe the later rabbis, I think they might say that this is uh, that you might be confusing categories here, that that the 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 topic of tohora or tumah, purity and impurity, is distinct from what's happening uh, in, in this ritual. At the same time, I think that uh, if you do have uh, the righteous woman who is not guilty and thus is not affected by the liquid, I guess you would have a kind of concept of the stomach being able to nullify something. So um, even though uh, I argue in a forthcoming paper that the Jews believe that the stomach had the possibility to, to nullify impurity, that idea goes beyond just the concept of impurity. I mean, in Isaiah 25, 8, you have God swallowing up death and therefore nullifying it. Um, so the stomach is portrayed as having a purge, or digestion is having is portrayed as having a purging effect beyond the domain of purity and impurity. And I guess what's you point out something interesting in the Sota ritual is that um, depending on the justice or righteousness of the woman, her her digestive tract will function in a certain way or not function in a certain way to nullify or not nullify. So I, I think I would use the concepts of nullification, not the concepts of purification. Um, here, just just because I, I I think we should really keep those categories careful about what we should be really careful when we're invoking purity and impurity to describe certain things, and because I think, to my knowledge, that's not invoked there, I would be wary of bringing it in. But I do think that you you're right to say that the 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 point about nullification is about digestion nullifying something negative seems to be operative here. Yeah, thank you. Hi, my name is Justine, and I just wanted to say that I really enjoy your podcast. I've listened for about a year, and I finally caught up to where you guys are currently. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm actually an ESL teacher, but I really love learning about different perspectives and interpretations of the Bible and theology. And so I really love that on your podcast, you're not afraid of different perspectives and interpretations and of looking at the nuances and complexities, not just of the biblical text, but also of 21st century Christianity. But you still seem to have a really high view of scripture and are very committed to Jesus. So in light of that, I have two questions. Um, the first one is, how do you stay grounded in your faith as you're considering different perspectives and interpretations of the Bible? Or when you see how Christianity has been twisted in so many ways in modern day America? And the second one related is how do you talk to friends or family members who question the genuineness of your faith when they see you asking questions, considering nuance or looking at different perspectives? Thanks so much. I love your podcast. Well, hi, Justine. Thank you for your question. We actually needed two of us to be on here to respond to it. This is Stan um, from the pod and also sitting right next to me is Grace. We thought your question was just so meaningful in not just in the sense of, you know, just being a, an avid listener and congratulations for catching up. I know sometimes these podcast episodes uh, can get long and 
can get quite hefty as well. And in, in to some regards, both Grace and I resonate closely to you because if you ever go to our website and you look at our, our profiles, uh, both Grace and I actually are not necessarily involved um, actually in university teaching position related to religion or theology. I'm a high school teacher now, which is which has been great. And just to respond to your questions here, the, the first one, just regarding staying grounded in your faith, I'll look at different perspectives. Um, um, let me just preface this with, um, I was saved in a, uh, in a church where um, you know, it was mostly suit and tie, but it just happened to be closest to the college that I attended. And I didn't really think too much about it in terms of um, culturally how that would affect my faith. But definitely, I think, if anything, um, a lot of these things were seeded into, you know, what I thought what Christian faith was. Um, a lot of it, as you can probably imagine, there's a bit of uh, legalism uh, to the point where I wasn't able to see through that. I ended up serving at the church as a as a pastor uh, for many years, and I admit um, there may have been actually maybe some hurt that I've done uh, just because of uh, legalistic rules that I followed because maybe it was a fe- maybe it was a fear of the job of losing the job or whatnot. But but ultimately, at the end of the day, this is what I thought Christian faith was in terms of upholding it at the congregation that I was um, I was attending and I was pastoring at. Fast forward to now where I'm no longer in that position, it, it, it was just a, a transition um, that had happened, uh, not, no bad blood or anything. But one thing that you realize really quickly was just the different perspectives <laughs> that actually do exist, as you've mentioned. And I think one of the challenging things that I personally have wrestled with uh, was, you know, number one, just breaking out of some certain, some certain paradigm. And part of that, to be honest, really requires lots of humility and also just the willingness to actually go out there and explore and see what else is happening out there. Yeah. And I think something that Stan was saying about just being open and humble to see other perspectives, I think that's a good starting place. Um, And also realizing that we all come with our own cultural lenses when we read the text um, of scripture and how as we um, start to see our own cultural lens of how we see scripture and being able to call those things out, kind of what Stan was saying about, you know, being able to see some of his own cultural lenses at looking at previous church experiences helped him also be open to others. When we recognize our our own cultural lenses, then we can be more open to learning from others because then we realize, oh, we might not be seeing the full picture because we only have um, a limited perspective. And actually all these different perspectives help us have a fuller, richer, and deeper knowledge and understanding of God's word which actually doesn't diminish our faith. It actually strengthens it. Um, And, you know, sometimes we may not agree with all of the different perspectives, um, of course. And so, and that's okay. Um, But, you know, just being willing to listen and to seek to understand where other people or other perspectives are coming from, I think is a really good place to be. And then for the second question, how do you respond to friends or families who may question 
um, you as you start to seek other perspectives. Yeah, I think being able to share with them this too, that, you know, like as you seek other perspectives, um, it's not because you want to limit or diminish the faith, but again, you want to enrich it. You know, I have friends who I differ from, you know, on a lot of things. Um, but at the end of the day, the core of it is that we, we all love Jesus and we want to grow more in our love for him and in our love for our neighbor and the world. And that's the thing that unites us despite the differing perspectives. The one word that comes to mind is generosity. Generosity in many different ways, right? I mean, we can, I think a lot of times we think of generosity as, you know, giving something out. Uh, but then that something doesn't necessarily have to be monetary or things or stuff all the time. It, it can be um, generous with our listening, generous with our time. And just and and that generosity coming from that centered from our faith, just let that speak. Leading with generosity, uh, leading with empathy, um, has spoken just greater volumes than um, having book knowledge up in our noggin here. So, again, thanks so much, Justine, for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, yeah, as Stan said, I'm also not. Uh, involved in an academic theological setting. I actually work um, for local government um, in finance. So yeah, it's awesome to hear uh, that you have enjoyed listen to the, listening to the podcast and um, we really appreciate your questions. Hello, Two Cities Podcast. This is Billy Hinshaw from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Congratulations on your 200th episode. I am curious to ask two questions. Firstly, who screws up most often when you're trying to record in terms of laughing or bloopers? And second question is, do any of you try to get others to laugh on purpose just for giggles? No pun intended. Thanks so much for that question, Billy. I think all of my fellow team members will agree with me and there will be no dispute about this that the person who tries to instigate the most is none other than Logan Alexander Williams. Uh, I've got a great example here of a re recent uh, attempt of mine to uh, introduce the episode, and uh, you can see Logan egging me on a little bit. Team members on the episode from the two cities include, sorry, alphabetically, Grace will be first. And then Jen, then Chris, then Logan. Okay. You seriously do it alphabetically every time? I, yeah, I always do it alphabetically. Yeah. Sorry. For a oh, second, wait. I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay. 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 Team. Okay. Team. Uh, team. <laughs> team members. <laughs> blooper reel material, man. That was so good. <laughs> Okay, hold on, hold on. Team members on the episode from the two cities include Dr. Grace Emmett, Jennifer Guo, Dr. Chris Song, Dr. Logan Williams, and me, Dr. John, Dr. John, An Dr. John Anthony Dunn. John Anthony. Ah! Okay. Ah! What? What? Oh name? man. <laughs> so, ah! it, so it was right. great. You didn't. No, you got to do it again. You, you no, 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 no. I, I, I repeated it so that I can, I can edit, I can stitch it. Don't. Worry, tr I'm good. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, um. 
So this chat with Dr. Thiessen was really fun. I mean, he it's fun. He's so fun. He's so fun. Okay. Dude, he's just a he's bundles of fun, man. <laughs> so this conversation with Dr. Thiessen was a great time. Uh I really enjoyed having clearly him. nothing <laughs> clearly he didn't enjoy anything <laughs> no i'm just trying to think what in the words of olaf you hesitated okay okay so this conversation with dr Tsen was a lot of fun what were some of the takeaways that you all had from our conversation do we have to do it in alphabetical order <laughs> in addition to egging us on and instigating uh and trying to make us laugh <laughs> another thing that often happens when logan is on the episode is that he's way too loud and this was something that was mentioned on the 100th episode celebratory episode and uh here's another example from a recent episode now um logan so though, have we done the sorry but, i was like a minute late so i wasn't sure if we did the kind of explanation of um no no we, we do this I'll, I'll do it in just a sec you are really hot uh Dude, in more ways than thank one you. in more ways than one but your <laughs> your mic right now is yeah yeah here fire. we go i mean yeah straight it's on fire fire you um, are fire okay um that is a bit better yeah it is better thank you and finally i just have to mention one quick story which we don't really have a great audio representation of but when we recorded our episode with dr ikaputra tupamahu contesting languages as I was concluding the episode and saying goodbye to Dr. Tupamahu and thanking him for joining us, Logan entered the Zoom call. And at the very end of this conversation, he had thought that the conversation started an hour later than it actually did. And he just came in super excited to be on the episode, you know, with a lot of enthusiasm and was really shocked to find out we were actually ending the episode. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And I, that's one of my favorite moments of things that have gone wrong while recording with Logan. And so to reiterate, Billy, the answer is Logan. Hi there, this is Sean McGeever in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm excited to celebrate with you all the 200th episode of the Two Cities podcast. I stumbled across it when I took up running during the pandemic. Probably a lot of people uh, may have also done that. And I just found it incredibly helpful. I'm a minister and adjunct professor, and I found it to be just a great way to keep up with books and scholarship that I always didn't have time to look into on my own. There's a couple series in the last 100 episodes I've really enjoyed, especially the series on disability theology. I was really excited how you brought John Swinton in, I think more than once, actually. I had the privilege of being with him at Aberdeen and just really like that, as well as the series that, and focus that you've had in Women in the Bible, uh, your interview with Amy Peeler, as well as Philip Payne, just I found really helpful. One of the things I also really like is just the positive and informed engagement that the hosts have with each other. I really like the different expertise that each of you bring and insights, but also just the positivity that you bring to engaging the different uh, guests that you have on. Uh, it's just a positive spirit, and I really like the um, hospitality that you all have. I do have a question, though. I want to know if in maybe some of the future episodes you could alter the intro music so it has a face-melting guitar solo. Looking forward to that. Thanks again. <laughs> Sean, th 
Thank you so much for that for that comment. I'm here with Logan. Logan is the creator and composer of all of our music, and we have had two different sets of theme songs already for the first hundred and the second of the of our 100 uh, uh, episodes, respectively. And we have new theme music now. Logan, do you want to tell us a little bit about our new theme music, and can we expect a face melting guitar solo? I will say I do think it's the best out of the three I've made. Oh, and it's a banger. And a banger. I, I'm actually kind of disappointed that I'm not like using this to drop a single. So <laughs> uh, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but um, so what's really unfortunate is that I actually had in mind that I would put a guitar solo on the outro version of it. Oh, um, because it is a kind of song that like kind of screams out for like a, a face melting uh, guitar solo. But I didn't get to. Well, uh, my my preamp uh, blew up on me a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, and I haven't had the chance to get a new one. And now I'm in the process of moving, so all my guitars are packed away um, in storage right now for a couple months. So I um, I can't, unfortunately can't add a face melting guitar solo. However, there is a synth patch that is pretty gnarly and sounds a bit like a guitar, and is pretty face melting. Um, the the kind of lead synth line is is really fun. Um, so, um, I had this thought, uh, this kind of music in my head for a while and, uh, as per usual, you know, it, it just kind of bubbled up in me. And then like a couple, like I think a month ago, I just sat down for like 10 hours and just did it all and kept sending different versions, spamming the two cities chat every 10 minutes with like a new bounce of the, <laughs> of the song waiting for feedback. Um, and then maybe like the 15th or 16th iteration, it, uh, it really came to, came to fruition. So I'm really excited about this one. Um, I think it will, I think it'll serve us well for hundred episodes. Um, and, um, I hope that although there is not a guitar solo, I hope Sean that the synth lead, um, does, um, satisfy your face melting desires. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and if they don't, um, when I get my guitars back in my in a, in a working preamp, I could I can maybe you know subtly in the twentieth or thirtieth episode, you know add a uh, add a guitar solo. In, uh, <laughs> um, but as for now, unfortunately, it won't happen today. Or at the very least, perhaps maybe for the subsequent one hundred episodes, maybe we can oh, sneak, yeah. sneak in a cheeky guitar solo. Now you mentioned yeah. that your um you know your preamp blew up and and you're in the midst of moving. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What are some things that are going on uh, with you right now? My life is a joke right now. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> I was I was as many of you know I was supposed to move to Jerusalem um on October twentieth. For obvious reasons, I can't do that because uh, there's a lot of conflict and um, violence happening and rockets being shot um, by Hamas into uh, Israeli territory. Uh, and uh, I was supposed to take up what well, I, I am currently now, um, a postdoctoral fellow at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, um, but I can't be there in person. Um, so my, my postdoc has started, but I can't um, be there. Hopefully I'll be able to be there by the end of November. Uh, maybe December, um, but we'll see depending on obviously how things progress. Um, as of now, lots of the Hebrew U stuff is is online or or digital or whatever. And because my position is pretty much all research, I'm able to do it from abroad, although it's unfortunate that I can't be there. Um, so uh, currently I'm living in Zach Wagner's house. Uh, I don't know if you all remember Zach Wagner. He wrote that book, uh, Non-Toxic Masculinity. We had him on the podcast. Uh, maybe four or five months ago or something. 
Um, and uh, he, his family, um, he and Shelby have uh, graciously offered to house me until things calm down uh, in Israel because I'd already given my month's notice to my landlord before the war started. Um, so I had to move out, but I had nowhere to go. Um, so had housing lined up in Israel, but obviously can't uh, pull the trigger on that. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty much stuck in limbo uh, living in Zach's house, uh, which is not bad. Well, we all certainly hope you're able to uh, to get there if it's if it's safe. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing uh, as part of that postdoctoral fellowship? Yeah, so I'm working on early Jewish and Christian ritual and thinking about how Jews and Christians in the early centuries um, both thought about and prescribed certain rituals that would uh, enact really drastic transformations um on upon or really have have really drastic effects on the human body the human self and in many respects um they believed that in different ways different kinds of rituals um would um transform them into superhuman creatures or would deify them or something like that so i'm looking at what how different jewish and christian texts prescribe different rituals to achieve different kinds of ways of becoming superhuman or ways of living beyond the confines of flesh as it were um so um when paul says if you walk by the spirit you will not gratify the desires of the flesh um there's something more than just piety going on there and um, there's something really um mystical going on there that's in some respect by doing what paul says and by engaging in the kind of practices that he wants them, that, that, that he wants the Galatians to uh, engage in, they will be able to have their lives lived beyond or transcending, uh, not outside of, but nonetheless transcending um, the domain of normal fleshly existence. And, and other Jews prescribed different kinds of rituals um to those same ends i will argue so um the kind of classic contrast between you know protestant contrast between jews having ritual and and you know christians not having ritual just having faith um i don't think really plays out it's not really borne out by the evidence uh, i rather think that early christians and jews are participating in an ongoing debate over what rituals can be used for what purposes to become what kind of creatures and why, on what grounds, et cetera. So I'm kind of tracing those um, those debates. All right. Well, that uh, that sounds fascinating. Um, many blessings as you work on that project. And uh, I think it's time to listen to the new music, the new theme music that we're going to be hearing for the next 100 episodes. But before we get to that just yet, I do want to announce the five winners from the book bundle giveaways that we've just done with the four participating uh, publishers. Uh, we just want to say thanks to Baylor University Press, Zondervan Academic, Baker Academic, and Erdman's for uh, partnering with us uh, for this. And thanks to everyone who sent in comments and questions for this episode. But the five winners that have been selected are Alexis Bradford, Barnabas Asprey, Enrique Kant, Andrew Noble, and Paul Sloan. So congratulations to each of you. We will get in touch with you about how to get those books to you 
uh, in due course. All right. And without further ado, Logan, introduce us to the new theme music. All right. I hope you all enjoy this absolute banger. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thank you for contributing to our 200th episode. Let it drop, John. <laughs>